One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye of goings on at Elm Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott, the midfielder being given his first start of the podcast, what could possibly go wrong? And I'm joined today by the podder who was confident about our chances in the preview pod of the podcast, Martin Riley, what could possibly go wrong? And finally, I'm joined today by the experienced striker who's just come off the bench and won a penalty of the podcast, the narrative demanded that... What would go wrong? It's Dan Holdsworth. Dan, how are you, mate? I reckon I could take a better penalty than Pat Bamford. That's how I am. But otherwise, I'm fine, mate. In a high-pressured situation, late in the game, as a non-professional footballer, are you backing yourself? Well, I've never played in front of 20,000 people, so yeah, probably not. 20-odd is pretty generous for Stoke. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I should probably take that back, shouldn't I? Um, Otherwise, I'm fine. Cheers, Adam. Yeah. What about yourself, Martin? Doing good. I've I've actually eaten today before recording, which is good. Um... Being yeah. lazy and got a fish and chips from the chippy, which was very nice. Lots of salt and vinegar. Mwah. Beautiful. There's no point in me talking about my food because I already discussed it on the Huddersfield one, which I just recorded just before this with Hosty. So I hope you all do listen into that as soon as it comes out. Um, and if you are listening to this, hello. Is anyone listening? Hello. Anyone out there? I assume everyone has decided not to because that was an embarrassment of a performance. But if you are listening to this, we're here today to discuss our. Uh, 1-0 defeat to Stoke City at Bet365 Stadium. Um, is there any news around the game or that's come out after the game? I don't think there is any injuries, is there? Or anything like that? Well, Fark, Fark mentioned the reason he didn't pick Somerville was his carrying up from the summer, which I think was new information. And he's been taking painkillers, so, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. One to watch. Makes sense. Makes sense about him being rotated. It's a worry. It is a worry, but I think a lot of players do this uh, throughout a season yep, when they true. probably shouldn't. Yep. Partly themselves partly the medical team probably partly themselves because they don't want to lose their place i know i think rio ferdinand has discussed this before players don't want to lose their place so they just kind of battle through stuff which they shouldn't probably do but Mm. they do um i wouldn't say it's a huge issue and i think he'll probably be back in for the next game even though we're not discussing huddersfield today right okay well if that's all uh, then i'll get on into the game summary which is that both teams approach the game with a 4-2-3-1 structure with stoke pressing leads high from the beginning disrupting leads build up and forcing loose passes which led to stoke dominating the early chances in the game with leads being unable to settle leads eventually settled and were able to have some possession after around 20 minutes and during this time had the best chances of the half through a Joel Perot effort stoke threatened some more towards the end of the first half but the game went into half time goalless Leeds then settled even more during the second half, especially after the substitutions that were made by Daniel Farker and were dominant with both chances and possession whilst only really threatened in transition. The biggest chance occurred in the 74th minute when substitute Patrick Bamford was brought down in the box, leading to a penalty after good work from Georgina Ruta in the build-up. However, this was then missed by Bamford and five minutes later, Stoke attacked at from a set-piece situation, which Wesley Moraes struck the bar with a header, which unfortunately rebounded into the back of Pascal Strauch's head for an own goal, making the score 1-0 to Stoke. Leeds then attempted to fight back and had opportunities to level the score, but the game eventually ended one all. And before we move into the interrogation, I do want to say this podcast is mostly about tactical analysis and we had quite a few questions regarding Patrick Bamford's penalty miss. And I just wanted to express that we won't really be discussing that other than to say... 
that we're all sat, aren't we? Have a lot of love for Patrick Bamford for what he's done for this club in years gone by, and are sad that he missed. And we also hope that he's now taken out the list of players to be put on penalties from here on out, which I think would be best for everyone. Um, so yes, we started the last podcast, or you two did, talking about concerns about our press and if it was becoming a problem. We also had a lot of questions about our press just in general in this game. Um, did you think our press caused problems for us in the game? I'll start with you, Dan. Um, I was going to say what press? Yeah, it wasn't really much of a press, particularly the particularly the first half. Um, so yeah, we, we went from being quite aggressive, sorry, quite having quite a high press, but low aggressive press at Norwich, um, to having kind of a the, the, the worst of both worlds. You're having like a like you know less high press and and also not very aggressive. So in the first half particularly, I just felt it was just like Rutter chasing around, and then we'd break through Rutter and Pirot, who wasn't much use in this respect, uh, and and they were kind of running at our, our midfield really. So yeah, I think it is a problem, and I, it doesn't seem to be at the moment. Fark can quite get it right from the off. Um, I think it was better second half, and like it was against Norwich, better second half. So. I think the concern is his ability to set up a press that's effective from the off rather than um, it being a complete write-off, would be my view. Anything to add on that, Martin? I disagree with um, what Dan said there, actually. Um, oh, I love it when that happens. I, don't, I don't, don't think our press was that bad in the first half um, because, it, it, like you mentioned, yeah, it, was, it wasn't as high as the previous game. But I felt it it was more aggressive in the right areas, which, which was forcing them to go along quite often. And... That did help us get win the ball back. That was more prominent in the second half, but I, I think it was pretty similar sort of way. It's just um, their passes were a bit more effective in finding the players with those long balls in the first half. And I wasn't as concerned about our press in this game. I'm not, it could just be me, um, but I, I'd, I'd, I found that it was relatively okay. Not not as bad as what it was against Norwich in the first half. Um, and... It did cause them problems, and they didn't often play through along the grounds. So it, it was an improvement for me. Not obviously so kind of as good as Norwich were at playing through a press. So that could be taken into account as well. Um, but yeah, I, I felt it was slight improvement. There is still problems with it overall, I think. And I still think it was as much of a problem in this game. Well, part of the problem, right, was that. They were then going along, like you say, but then we were giving the ball away so easily and we were turning it back over to them. And I don't think it was always because their press was particularly aggressive or or good. I think it was partly because we were just making some stupid mistakes and players were miscontrolling easy passes and, and things like that. Um, but the game felt just really transitional, <laughs> just like constant turnovers in the midfield area. And yeah, I, I was just getting really annoyed watching it. It just felt like some, it, we have... Built the ball up okay for most of the season, but in this game we were really poor at that. And then, like you say, maybe we did aggressively press them back as soon as we lost it, but the ball came straight back to us. I thought we were, we, yeah, I thought we were better second half, Martin. Just to, there was a good spell I think uh, where we won the ball quite a bit, sort of in the edge of their area, sort of or you know mid- midway up their half. So we did have a good spell. And I think it definitely improved second half. I think. Well, yeah, I said that in my initial answer. So I thought it was a it was a pretty ineffective press first half or. Wasn't massively effective, but second half I thought it was all right. Um, but this this is my this is my problem. It, like it's been a couple of games now where we've the press has not been that effective in my view until half time, and he's had to he's had to adjust it somehow and then to get it effective. And that's what it feels like anyway. And we we talked about it just there, but the way they bypassed our press right was just to yeah. go long. That's the main the main thing they did. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Well, there was a little a little bit more to it. Um, I, th- I think that what they were doing, um, and. That wasn't aided by some of our individual players um, maybe not being in the right place to monitor certain threats. And what they were doing a lot of was switching it from one side to the other. And this is something which we talked about in the preview pod as well, where they do like to hit these diagonal walls. And they were especially finding um, their right back, Fiver, um, in, in, in quite a bit of space. And I think, it, I think Anthony was being too narrow in the way he was bunching up with the rest of the team, which left a lot of space behind him. It's kind of reminiscent of what were the problems that we had under Marsh, where you would always have the fullback riding forward and being in loads of space on the other side. And that was what, what they were doing. They were moving it over to one side and then quickly hitting it over to the other, which so they bypassed our press in that way. So I think it was more individuals not being close to the people that they're meant to be looking after. And 
that was why they were able to create these dangerous situations. And there was also a targeting swinger. Um, I forget what his name is now. What was it? That's it. Yeah, yeah. They, they were they were putting it over to him quite often, and Gray had quite quite a lot of one v ones with him um, in both first half and second half. That was the main thing that they were trying to do was get it through to those diagonals and get them get them isolated with the fullback. And they were able to do that quite often. So that is one part which I suppose you can put in the way of our presses as well to a downside for it because of how narrow it was in overall. And maybe that was inten intentional and maybe it wasn't on Anthony. But I'm not too sure. I, I, I'm not Neil Farker, so I don't know exactly what he's, he was wanting to do. But you know, to me, it seemed that they were taking advantage of that space. And while we talk about some individuals that perhaps sort of struggled for us and maybe were caught out in those ways, one player that, that got quite a bit of scrutiny online was Ilya Groove. Um, he had his first start on the day and Jacob has a theory about what we saw in the first half from him um, on his first start. Uh, he said, my working theory on our build-up and passing issues is that Groove was really struggling with how to position himself, ended up too high, too much effectively cutting himself out of the game and throwing off all the rest of the team's familiarity in terms of distances and patterns and so on. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? And Jacob is referring to the change as part of the double pivot and Kamara and Gray as part of the partnership between them and Ampadu, which has been pretty much in every game this season. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Martin? Yeah, it's an interesting one, is this? Um, after the game ended, I was... I wouldn't say I had the worst game in the world, but I wasn't impressed um, with what I'd seen from um in, in particular. And what Jacob mentioned there about him positioning himself too high, I, I, I was looking out for that in particular across both first and second half. And he was right. Um, he was quite often a bit further away from where Ampadu was. And I'm not sure if this was to try to give an out ball in ways for the press, um, which they were putting that point out or thinking that the one possible thing that they was looking for but no one was ever looking him looking for him in in that respect so no one was trying to hit those long balls through to him so that would blow my theory out of water but yeah i don't think he's right with what he says about group being too, too high and i think that was adjusted in the second half um i think he was dropping deeper and receiving a lot deeper than he was in the first half so i think that was people did notice that they was doing that wrong and corrected it but I don't think this, as a whole, I think he did improve from first to second half anyway, did Groove. And I wasn't asked down on this performance after the rewatch as I was live. I don't disagree with that, actually. And um, I thought he's maybe, yeah, maybe a bit worse than I first imagined when I watched it back. But the um, the first half, it did feel like his sort of, I get what Jacob's saying about like spacing and distances because I think that was important and I think there were times when he should have anticipated where a ball might land or might go either from Stoke or us and he just wasn't quite in the right spot. He just needed to step like one or two paces to either side and he might have been better placed or a few other moments like that and he he was struggling a little bit in terms of getting the ball out but I think a lot of our players were. I don't think you could say that Ampadu wasn't um, necessarily struggling with that because I thought it's probably one of the weaker first half performances he's put in pretty much all seasons and and yeah, they definitely, as a pair, improved in the second as well. Um, yeah, Dan, I, we also had a question about this pairing from Matthew Pitts on Twitter. He said, is the Groove-Ampadu pairing feasible? Or should Groove just be the backup to Ampadu when Kamara and or Gray are available in midfield? And, and Jacob also had a similar question. He just basically said, what happens when an element like Gray or Kamara is replaced in the build-up for someone like Groove, a profile like his? Um, yeah, I just wondered if you wanted to add anything. Yeah, well, that's the second what Martin said, really. I had pretty much the same view. I was quite down on his performance watching live last night. Uh, and within that view... I thought it was better second half watching last night. And then watching the rewatch uh, today, I was way less down on his performance, certainly second half performance. And I do agree that he was kind of getting out of out of the way a bit first half and sort of drifting left and sometimes high. And yeah, it was, it was like, the, the space in between him and Ampadu was way too much. And I think second half, he did drop in a little bit more, not to the extent that we see Kamara do it or we saw Gray do it as well when he played in the midfield. So yeah, there was... But still, he was doing it more, and I think it helped second half, and it helped us with our ball retention second half. Um, it, so, in terms of his skill set, I'm, I'm not kind of in terms of how he how he should play and who he should play with. I'm not down on him playing with Ampadu again, but we need to see a big improvement in his performance, and we need to see him showing for the ball more. I think he, it almost felt like he was like nervous and hiding from the game first half. So, I think we need to see more kind of personality from him, and more you know need to see him inserting himself in the game for him to be able to play 
either instead of Ampadu, with Ampadu, I just, I just, so I just, I mean, I mean, his skill set seems to be fairly broad for a midfielder, so he should be able to do both roles. But I just, yeah, I guess he just needs to learn the the rotations and needs to kind of back himself a little bit more and get involved and build up more. And that would make me a lot more me a lot happier about him being picked. I, I said the same in the group chat actually, that it might have been nerves. It was kind of hard to tell. Um, yeah. But also, what I do find interesting with this, just just in a longer term sense about Groove, um, he was one of Farker's main signings for Farker, so he was one that he picked out. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how he gets on, you know, going forwards because he was one of the handpicked players by him that we we definitely know about. Um, anyway, we talked a lot about Stokes press and it not worrying us in the preview. Uh, did you think it caused us problems in the end? How much of the sort of turnovers were due to their intensity and their quality out of possession? I'll go with you again, Dan. Yeah, I was. I quite liked their press second watch through. I thought it was um, it was quite good, quite intense. They were very sharp and Ampadu. They really, really targeted Ampadu and stopped us building through him. Uh, he had a hard time, so Ampadu was forever sort of forced to be passing back to the centre backs. He wasn't able to turn and, and get his head up. Um, and they were really sharp on the wingers um, again, turning them back, and they were playing back to the fullback and out again. So I just thought they were quite good at turning us round and stopping us progressing the ball. Uh, and forcing us down the down the wings, and then they would kind of jump on us really like aggressively. I wasn't sh- at one point. I thought they were kind of marking us man to man almost. It, f- it felt quite intense, um, especially in the first half. Um, that was less so in the second half. I felt like we got a foothold in the game, and I'm not. I feel it was probably probably a little bit of a combination of us adjusting our build up a little bit and getting our spacing a bit better on, on build up and their intensity dropping. And I think that's why we got more ball second half, and it felt a bit more like a. A standard decent performance second half um but yeah i was fairly happy with their press and i can kind of see why like alex um uh, neil was was praising his team's press uh, in, in afterwards in the interview so yeah see i agree about it with um with ampadu and and the way they pressed our defenders but i with the wingers that was really just frustrating me i think that anthony and nonso just had a lot of sloppy touches particularly anthony um that were maybe a bit uncharacteristic. I don't think it was just because of their intensity. I just think that they were like being a bit loose with the ball. And maybe it's because they're not as mm. fresh, maybe because obviously they came in um, and we've had Summerville and James. That that was just my perspective and I still felt the same when I rewatched it. I just thought, again, there's just a few moments where you just need to be tighter in terms of your, your ball control, but especially someone like Nanto who's renowned for that. Um, Martin, did you have anything you wanted to talk about with Stokes pressing? Yeah, I agree with Dan. I think their press was quite effective. Um, it did really disrupt the way that we normally build up. Mm. And you could tell that it looked at the way we build up and made sure to get men around, um, like Dan said, around Ampadu. And I also felt it was quite good at putting pressure on Archie Gray. Mm. I think the Clyde also targeted him well. And I think it was pretty much man-to-man in, in, in the first half, like Dan said as well. It's It was quite effective. And... I can see what Adam was saying about the wingers especially, um, but I also think with things like that, with loose touches, a lot, a lot of that can be put down to good pressure person as well. So it's, it's a mixture of both. When someone does make a loose touch, it's because of this sort of pressure. Actually, if it's uncharacteristic as a player who's making the bad touches. So I do think we have to give them a fair bit of credit for the way they pressed us and disrupted us. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue. Um, talking about our early build-up in general now, uh, not just specifically to this game, but there's been a consistent theme of when teams press us high that we've struggled. Um, what do you think our issues are in that regard? Like, how does Farker sort of fix this? Is it a, like is it a profiles thing? Is it Jed Spence coming in will improve that? I'm sure it would, but is is there another answer, Martin? Well, I'm not sure specifically about Jed Spence. I'm not sure if that would improve our build-up massively. He's more going to improve the right side in the final third, in my opinion. Because um, I think Archie Gray is quite good in build-up. I think he he is relatively press-resistant, and I think that does help. And I think it's a, f- a few things which we could try to do that vary in the way that we're, we're passing. And there was a lot of times where there was players who weren't present to be passed to when there, were, there was space, and it was just maybe quite a little, little bit more of a longer pass than what they've been going for. And I think sometimes we have to not always build up as slowly as as what what we we're trying to do, and I think that is something which has been an issue. And sometimes it would be fine to try to find a long ball, and I think we were doing that more in the second half, with especially trying to get the ball long to to Nonto, and it was it was working similar to to Ruta as well. So that we have got options who we can play long balls to, and it just doesn't seem that we always choose to do that, and we try to force through the. Play through the press rather than over it, where I don't think we should be too picky. 
up many teams play up play over a prep rather than through it and if we have options who can bring down these long balls i think that's something which we should be looking into more no i'm not saying we go full pony pulis big sam football uh just saying there's a bit of variety in how we're choosing to get over it don't always try to go through it just vary it up a bit and give different options and different ways to get out of these sort of high presses and it's happened quite a few times now where we have struggled with these high presses now we've had what southampton and now we've had stoke and so that it's definitely something which managers have able been able to exploit in, in us and cause problems and I, I thought we handled this press a little worse than what we did against norwich to be honest and that, that's quite interesting because norwich is relatively good press as well and this one was, was even better in my opinion but as well the, the issue with the build in particular in this game was in the first half especially with groove being further away which gave, gave less options but again if we were looking for a longer ball out of these high pressing situations when groove was giving us an option then that would have been a way to get out of it as well so i think there's ways that we can adapt the build up to vary it up a bit I, I think this question's really interesting in terms of a longer term as well because farker might have to show some more adaptability than he has done when he gets to the if we get to the premier league when he has got to the premier league in the past and i know that those norwich squads weren't particularly super strong and there might need to be some investment in terms of recruitment as well of course but i think you think he needs to maybe uh, have a slightly adapted approach um if we are a team in the bottom half you can't always build up the ball as you'd like as easily in the premier league it's even more difficult and if we're seeing some signs now of it being an issue then i think it's just going to be amplified in the premier league um dan i don't know what you have you had any thoughts on on our build-up or how you would change it or if you would change it well, a comment from yesterday I've got written here is we seem to be very spaced out, and that's particularly in the the first half. So, like, Grove was out of the picture, wasn't he? He was out on the touchline, which really could have done with him working with Ampadu and, and being an alternate passing option because Ampadu was being marked so much. And I just I felt the, the spacing was such a – like there was such big gaps between everybody. It was almost like Fart was getting them to really stretch the pitch. But for – but at the same time, like the the movement was awful. I thought the you know the off ball movement, like the players are so so static. So we're just playing these kind of medium longish balls that are easy to cut out for Stoke when they were kind of man marking. So it just felt yeah very pedestrian and slow first half and kind of spaced out. So therefore easy to cut out or because it was a longish pass on the ground, the opposition could, could get to their marker quickly and you know they were able to able to turn leads back. Um, second half, it felt the spacing was better. We were much more compact and we got more kind of like associative. Com- combination play and we did use that long ball like Martin said I think that's a good point I've done some nice long balls out to the left uh, I mean I noticed it with Rutter after Nonto went off but I think it's true before that as well um, so yeah it's just it's, it's more variety in the way we build up I think it's something Fark needs to think about I mean you've just made that point Martin uh, Adam I agree um, and yeah just it's just having like say some getting players closer together and, and building and drawing the opposition in and then, and then bursting out of that kind of combination play yesterday it was just very slow passing like across reasonable distances that meant it was just easy to defend I think or at least for the first for the first half yeah definitely definitely in the first half I've grumbled about lack of movement before actually when I'm at Ellen Road sometimes like Melier's got the ball and they're all just looking at him and then someone runs and eventually passes it and I just feel like sometimes when he compared to Bielsa you know like the Bielsa I oh, know we shouldn't say that I should like hit myself for saying this but like the movement was fantastic wasn't it players were rotating the whole time weren't they the, the options for the for the the guy in possession was it was plentiful under Bielsa, wasn't it? And that's why we had so much possession because there was so much great movement. And yeah, and it's just it feels a bit of a downgrade in that respect. And we are trying to play decent football, but the, you know the passer doesn't always have great options here. And I guess how much of this is teething issues? Still, we're still early on into this, so we don't we don't know. He's obviously got to have um, a lot yeah. more games, a lot more time, and it might all you know steadily improve. And, and maybe he's working these things out as well. Um, yeah. And I guess another one is one of the issues we had yesterday. We ha- have had in other games as well. Is that in the second half when we did get the ball into the final third, uh, it appeared as though many of the attacking patterns that we have seen in flashes in other games had kind of gone out the window a little bit. Are we still a work in progress in that regard? Are we still a bit too individualistic? Would you say, Dan? Yeah, I think we've got a few players who will do a kind of individualistic aren't they, as well. They get on the edge of the box and take a pot shot. Not naming names, Dan James, but. Um... So, so I think there's an element of that, and we've got a young team, haven't we? We've got to remember it's a young team. We've got um, so there's going to be that element of you know players getting to the box and looking for glory and stuff, and it's that's frustrating sometimes. Um, um, but yeah, I don't I don't think we have 
these kind of really, really well-worn patterns of play that get players into the boxes in good positions. It, it is very individualistic or off the cuff and nice little combination play between, you know, two players that kind of have a good understanding. That's how it's working at the moment. So, yeah, I think we're lacking in that respect. What about you, Martin? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about the repeated patterns as, it, as it's something that we, that we necessarily need. Um, I think when we, when we talk about the repeatable patterns of play like we had on Bielsa, at that point under Bielsa, we did not have a team which was considered by anyone be one of the best teams in the league, especially not in the first season. And that it was made better than the sum of its parts because of the repeatable patterns of play which Bielsa had. But, but the, the attacking talent we've got at the moment is one of the best in the league. It's the we've got an elite level of player, and I think I know that it is something which all a lot of elite managers do do as well is have these repeatable patterns of play. But they also do allow freedom as well to, to to some players to do what comes natural to them. And I think if we try to put in too many of these repeatable patterns, it will take away from from some of the natural instincts which our players have, which are good. And I don't want to lose too much of that because when it does work, it is fucking fa- fantastic. <laughs> and so yeah, I don't, I'm I'm wary of of doing it too much, but I do definitely understand what, what you mean. Like sometimes when that creativity does come up against a brick wall, and we're not when we're struggling to create. But I think at the moment, I don't think that's an issue. We did create enough chances to be able to score goals in this game. I think we made, made chances where we could have scored three goals from in this game, and it just didn't happen. It was, there was a chance from Popero, which um, I think he could have done better with. I think that was a very good chance, especially for him. And he just it was pretty much just straight at the goalkeeper, and he could have he needed to hit that wider than what he did. And Ruta had a, had a couple of chances, and then there was the late chance um, from Somerville, which to be fair, it was very good last ditch defending by I forget which player it was. Um, but yeah, when he had a little one-two with Bamford, Bamford did a little back heel, and then Somerville was pretty much one-on-one with the goalkeeper, and then the, the defender came out of nowhere and just shoved the foot in, just as the shot was being taken. But I mean, yeah, the, so, move, the move, for the, pedal, the move that won the penalty was a nice move, wasn't yeah. it? That was a good little bit of play. Fantastic I mean, great ball move. from Rutter. Fantastic, Fantastic ball from Rutter to put Bamford in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and these little um, things, and these little things that are because of the chemistry that they've got, and it's not that look to me like repeatable patterns of play. That it looks more to me like just them knowing each other's movements and knowing where they're going to be at any one point. And for all we could, this could have been practising in training over and over again. <laughs> we don't see yeah. the training to know what it is, but to me it feels more, more natural rather than a rehearsed pattern play. And I get the argument for saying, like, let them express themselves, let them play with some freedom and do that because, again, like they are such good quality differential players in this league. But at the same time, the flip side of that argument is that a lot of them have the technical quality to, you know, pull off nice moves um, and and patterns of play like more so than your average championship footballer so they should be able to do it and and completely like rip teams apart in that sense and I just guess I want to see a little bit more of it but I, I get arguments for both both regards and there are teams that have been successful that have set up really well defensively in which by all accounts we kind of are now aren't we because Again, we only conceded one today, uh, the other day, sorry, but we tend to not concede too many when we have that, that really nice unit of, you know, the spine right now of Melier, Ampadu, Strout, Ampadu. Um, sorry, I said him twice, didn't I? Roden, I meant. Um, when we've got those guys, we seem to be really, really decent defensively and we don't give away too many chances, even if we're not necessarily that perfect in the final third. But what you can have in a team is you set up well defensively and then you just let the, the attackers you've got, they're all really high quality players to sort of express themselves and you don't need to like shackle them to like repeatable patterns like you're saying Martin but I think there's a balance and I think there's maybe like I, I want to see a bit more of it because I think the games against like Watford and Bristol City I remember those and I was really impressed with some of our attacking play and, and players linking together I haven't been as much lately so I don't know it's it's a, it's a difficult Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. One player that we did see come back into the team from the start yesterday um, was Willie Nonto. What did you make of his game? I know we've kind of talked about him and giving the ball away, but is there anything else you wanted to say on him, uh, Martin? Yeah, I, th- I think he, in the first half, he was not really effective and he was definitely being marked quite, very tightly um, by Stoke. And I think if more as the game went on, Stoke's energy levels dropped a little bit and they weren't as intense with what they were doing. They were trying to, to limit the pace and time that he had, but I was just able to have a slightly, slight more second on, on the ball to get get away at times. Um, he's still not at the levels what we've seen him at, especially if levels of last season um, at times. Um, so it's been a while since we've really had Nonto at the level which we'd want him to be at. Even before his injury, he wasn't really impressive compared to the other attackers in the unit. So I still, I still think he's got some work to do to get back to the levels that we know he can hit and be effective and yeah that's about it it's, he, he, i think he just needs more time to have and have and more minutes to get his groove back really well you done um what did you think well, about him he didn't have a great deal of opportunity to really attack the box did he and, and it was it was involved in play quite deep quite a lot of the time um generally that's, and generally that's something he's okay with but i mean there's the one one occasion he got he broke free in the first half and he put a really like quite a good ball across didn't he across the box yeah, early, early in the game mm. And it was it was actually the one the one good bit of play from Gray we saw when he broke through his marker didn't he and played Nonto in and you know if 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 we'd got in, into those positions a few more times I think he probably uh, he probably starts to enjoy himself and you know and, and and you might see a bit more from him so I'm not overly worried I think we just got to work out a way of getting him into the game into the right areas you know in the right kind of in the right conditions I guess with the game broken up and and he can really thrive um, like I say it's his is it first it's his first start back from injury I'm kind of. I'm kind of relaxed about it. It wasn't a great performance, but I think it was as, as much to do with the situation of the game and the way we were kind of not getting the ball to him in good areas and he was being marked and handled quite, manhandled quite a bit actually as well. Um, I'm not overly worried, but yeah, I, want, I, I would want to see improvement from him, but I think that would come Yeah, with a better team performance. Yeah, but he is less effective from the right, isn't he? Um has to be said. And why do you think that he is? I, I just think he's really good at... Yeah, he's, so he's... Uh, He's just really good at standing defenders up, isn't he? And then turning and going in field. So he can he had that really good move where he, this kind of where he feints left as if he's going to go down the touchline, then come in field in his right foot, and he's able to drive powerfully off that right foot, isn't he? In field and and cause you know cause issues. I guess that those angles aren't there off the right. So I just think you know when he's on the right, he's looking to go down the outside of the defender. And that's just not his game. That's not what he's good at. He doesn't have that kind of super super explosive pace to get past people and whip a ball across. That's not really his game naturally. I think he's. He's better cutting in on his right foot and, and driving in field. And those angles suit him better, I think. And would you agree with that, Martin? Because I, I would completely yeah. echo what Dan said. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't have put it any other way. Um, it's definitely the angles in which he's receiving the ball and his strongest foot is his right foot. So he's right, he's going to make them all people on the line and on the left he's going to go in field. But the issue we've got is is the profiles of the wingers we've got. We've got a lot of players who are more effective on the left than the right. Yep. And yeah. at the moment, Somerville is a guy to the left. When he's fit, he's going to be playing on the left. And that's, you can dispute that at the moment because he's just so much more effective at what he's doing than what Nonto has been. But I still do think that we need to give Nonto a chance to be as effective as Somerville on the left. And I think Somerville, in the form that he's currently in, will be just as effective on the right. He's got a bit, a bit more natural acceleration than what Nonto has. So I think he would be would be fine to play on the right and drive forward. And I'd, I'd like to see that tried out um, as well at the moment. James is also very effective when he is playing. I've got to give him credit at the moment. Um, when he did come on, he was causing them problems. And he's got a really good cross on him, which is something which has always been there, but maybe I haven't given him enough credit for. And... Yeah, so I'm I'm happy with most of our wingers at the moment. Nonto is, I think, a bit further down the chain than what he maybe should be. That's a good way to put it. I think um, you do just want him attacking the box. I think from the left channel, 
in my opinion. I think we both we've all said it. Um, I don't I don't think he's that high and wide right winger. Whereas James and Somerville probably can do that better. It it was talked about in our group chat a little bit, wasn't it? Where we were sort of saying if there'd been a bit more time in the window late on, if Sinister has moved to Bournemouth had gone through sooner, maybe we would have signed a different profile. Maybe we would have gone for a sort of more right sided player than a natural another left player left sided player um and we do seem to be really well stocked on that side now which is interesting come january <clears throat> and we'll see if they decide to go in another direction perhaps they will um but yes um we also have kind of discussed set pieces in the last review pod um and this is the second game in a row now where we conceded a goal from a set piece has our old enemy made a return dan I'm trying to remember what we said, Martin. I think we both just said, oh, we'll have to see if it if it continues, <laughs> I think, was our answer. I think we said it was a one-off, yeah. And it has, yeah, and it's continued. So, yeah, I think we maybe should reverse that answer. Um, I think I think the, the, the set piece against Norwich and the set piece here, there were two really good balls, really good deliveries worthy, and sometimes you have to just accept a good delivery is going to skew your defence. Um, so, I mean, generally speaking, I, I'm happy. Like, I think Stroke and Rodon are good at defending air, really. I think they get decent support from some of the other players around, like like uh, like like Rutter is a fairly big guy, isn't he? And and Perot and and Ailey when he plays is fairly is okay. So generally speaking, we should have enough to handle these situations. But we've had two kind of balls that have beaten our defence on that kind of similar trajectory from different sides, but that kind of similar trajectory into the six yard box, kind of like a low zippy, you know, kind of coming in. It's not like a big booming cross, is it? It's coming in at kind of head height. Um, you could, see. and we've struggled with that. So yeah, it's one to watch, but. Two weeks in the bounce maybe makes you think someone spotted something and it's something that we're poor at defending. So I don't know if it's if uh, the coaches at least need to look at the way we set up and perhaps put a different player at the front of our our block or something to block that out. I don't know. It's I think it's certainly something to be looked at because we actually conceded two mm. in that Norwich game. If you remember, one of them was ruled out, but it was. slightly strange. Yeah, right? so I think yeah. it's an issue. And me and Hostia literally just talked about Huddersfield and. That is another problem um, that they pose as well. So that's great. What about you, Martin? Are you, are you still a bit worried about this? Yeah, it's starting to become a more of a worry now, especially when it's two games on the bounce where we are conceding goals from set pieces. And both of them were near post chances as well. Though it's definitely something that they should be looking at in training as to how they can better defend that near side, try to prevent players from having these chances to protect pretty, pretty uncontested headers. Um, we've got a couple of players who are good in the air but I think the problem with this this game was that they had more than us I think they had, they had Wesley Moraes who is I think around 6-3 possibly he looks pretty, a pretty tall lad and also they've got their two, their two centre-backs and Rutter is decent in the air but he's not going to beat someone who's of a similar height to him especially not a more experienced physical centre-back or something like that so we just don't have as many Aerial threats, I think, when we've got a team who do possess more than us. So it's, it will be a problem when we face teams like this. And Huddersfield would sound like one which will have a few big lads who cause problems. Um, and I guess what's frustrating about this, this in the Stoke game was we were the better team in the second half and um, we were pretty much throughout it looking like the more likely to score. But then after that that penalty miss, it was a little bit like, oh, is it going to be one of those Leeds days? Is it where we, uh, you know, we concede a goal late on and and concede? But we did improve, as I say, in the second half. And I just wondered, like, what let us dominate the ball a little bit more, Martin? What what would you say? Combination of a few things. Um, first of all, it was the spacings of the midfielders and the passing options which were being picked were better. And also, secondly, I think Stokes' energy levels weren't. Like what they were on the third half, they weren't as intense off the, off the bat as they were. I think maybe they felt that they could get more from us by trying to make the game more transitional in their favour. So to let us dominate the ball a little bit more. They were still pressing high in moments, but it just wasn't as often as it was in the first half. It was more situational rather than a consistent thing, which they were doing all the time. So, uh, so I think it's just a combination of those two things, which led to us having more, more territory in better places. And another thing, Dan, that um, that really helped uh, was the substitutes, clearly, but they were introduced quite late again, even though we'd had seen, seen some signs of improvement already. We seemed to improve further when they came on. Um, do you think that was a mistake from Farker, or do you think he should have introduced them a bit sooner? Yeah, I probably would have gone a bit sooner. I mean, I think that that's the common refrain from fans, isn't it? Managers always, all managers do subs too late. 
fans are always calling for a calling for a player earlier than, than the manager brings them on. That's 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 quite common, I think. Um, and yesterday, watching the match, I was very much like, bring a sub on, you know, from fifty-five minutes, like change it up, change it up. We need, you know, we need some more energy here, or we need some, we need a change of, of you know, of attacker just to mix things up. Um, sort of on the watch back, I don't know if I mean the subs definitely helped. I mean Somerville and and Dan James definitely and and, and Bamford as well definitely injected a bit of energy and and, and purpose to the attack. But it it had been going generally a bit better second half as you say. So I can kind of understand Fark thinking, well, it's going better. Let's you know let's stick with it. I can kind of understand that now. I'm a bit less like upset, <laughs> you know, after a second watch through, I suppose. So, yeah, I think he is a bit slow in general to make subs, um, but I can kind of get it in this situation because things were going a bit better for us and we were getting on top and making some, making, um, you know, making Stoke work a bit more, I think. Yeah, and, and while we're talking about Farker, I guess, what is the general feeling at the moment? I know we talked quite a bit about the game, but should a team of this quality, probably the second best squad in the league, by most people, people's reckoning, not be putting slides like this to the sword well before, you know, the the goal that they scored well before the penalty opportunity even. Um, I wondered what your thoughts were just more generally on Mar- on Farker Martin. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I'm generally still relatively high on Farker. I'm nowhere near approaching the state of the season where I'll, I was saying Farker out, nothing like that. Um, but there is definitely concerns about certain things, which I think he needs to be put in a tampon sooner. And especially with this game, we definitely should have been insisting to bring Bamford on when it was a much different game. We should have had this game ended well before then. And because of the, we don't know the if the issue with the spacing was something which Farker wanted. That did he ask Groove to be further up, and then he changed his mind at half time and asked him to come deeper. We don't know if that was Groove who was doing that by himself or if it was Fargo who asked him to do it. So there's all these sort of things which we can't know as to whether it was a manager introduction or if it was a player himself getting things a little bit wrong. And I suspect it's maybe a mixture of a few different things. But there is definitely things which Fargo can do to improve, I think. And especially with dealing with high pressing, that's one thing which I think he needs to improve in general. And also his own press, um, it's quite often not being as effective as it should have been and that is on him there's no, no other way about that there is pro who's uh, obviously limiting certain things in our press but there should be solutions which Fark needs to find it's his job basically and I would like to see improvements in that as the season goes on I don't expect it to be a simple fix we've had a lot of games recently and also an international break where we couldn't work on these things properly because most of the team was away, so it's it, it's a difficult thing to make these sort of changes. But I will just hope when we do have more of an uninterrupted week of training that some of these things can improve. I get there's not enough time in between games at the moment to do anything massive different. Um, do we have do we have a midweek game next week? No, no we've got we've got a couple of nice weeks actually where it's just one game a week. And I then think. another so international got, break. As well. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. God. So he's got little, little, he's got time yeah. he's got time to work on things. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> It should just feel Leicester than international break, or maybe one more fixture. It might be Plymouth and then and international break, something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's got, yeah, he's got a nice, probably, probably a three, four week period now to really work on some things. I would say. I mean, yeah, one thing. I mean, you touched on that there, Martin. About we've got a player like Perot, who's really good finisher, really good player, really good pass of the ball. Actually, when you get him into these situations, obviously a talented player, and he's just kind of, he's not in games enough, is he? And we need to like be better at working out ways of getting him into the game in in dangerous positions where he can kind of, you know, use his use his skills. And I kind of feel like we're not getting enough out of Perot at the moment, even though he's scoring a good number of goals, goals overall. I'd like to see him in positions to shoot more. And so, I mean, I guess that's back to the question around repeatable patterns of play, isn't it? You know, is, is, can we put more moves in? <laughs> can we see more, more, more kind of repeatable patterns that put Perot into sort of shooting positions? It, um, would you say that's your biggest issue or grievance with with Farker right now, Dan, or is there is there some other stuff? Well, generally, my biggest grievance with Farker is he's got one way of playing, hasn't he? And one kind of one setup, one shape. And there are tweaks within that shape, and and he's, and he's tweaking things and getting getting changes in game and things quite well. But I just you know it's like four one, it's it's a four two three one or a four four two or bust, isn't it? There's no real, there's not like a lot of innovation there in his system, is he? He's got his system, and it's kind of like and it's just tweaks within that. And I just I I, I wish. Like sometimes, like the midfield gets overrun, and he has a two-man midfield, and that's it. And there's no kind of 
variation how often does he play like a genuine three-man midfield where we can try and dominate the middle of the pitch or how often does he play a wing-back system just to deal with a different situation I kind of like coaches that are are problem solvers and I don't think he's a problem solver that much in that respect no he's wedded more to his you know what's his tactics is his tactics I get what you're saying yeah so I wonder what his you know season two season three will we see a lot of big innovation with that will we see him make a big change in the summer to the way we play I doubt it and I, I wonder if uh We'll see, we'll see diminishing returns from FARC after a year because of that. So I guess that's more of a longer-term thing to think about. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I completely agree with what you both said there. Um, I have some concerns, but I like just think, like you say, we've got a nice few weeks now, settle players down a little bit, get them more drilled into his ideas, and then you've got a really tough Christmas period, um, and so things are a little bit more settled by then. We might might go on a decent run through those games, even though there was a lot of games thick and fast, and there's a lot of lot of tough ones in there. Um, but yeah, uh, I totally totally agree with what you both said. Um, I just wanted to end kind of uh, on some more positive things, I guess. Um, who are you actually sort of happy with in this game in terms of performances? Did any particular player stand out from Leeds' perspective? Um, I'll go with you first, Dan. Um, the centre backs. I mean, really unlucky for Strike that he got the own yeah. goal, but. Both centre back and uh, centre back, striker and Rodon were just really solid. I think they handled what, what was thrown at them really well. Uh, I mean, for all of the good play from Stoke, how many big chances did they have? I'm trying to think, not that many. Yeah, they didn't generate a great deal. Me- Mez had to make a few saves in the first half, didn't he? But like, a lot of them, a lot of them were really, really, really good chances. They were just sort of like, I wouldn't say half chances, but they were like okay chances. And that he was just kind of having to make a save, settle things down. He did that a few times, but other than that, not really. Yeah, many. yeah, I, f- I thought they were pretty dominant those two, and. Um, like I say, Somerville and James had a nice impact when when they came on, and kind of really frustrating that he wasn't involved. But I think the very few things that Pirro did were good. Were good, if that makes sense. He didn't do a lot, but like some really nice nice passes from him in a few moments. And that sh- I, um, I'm just slightly disagree with Martin on the shot he took in the first half. I thought he did quite well to keep it on target from a wide angle. I thought he did fairly well to put a reasonable shot in with that chance he had. Um. So this is this is part of my frustration. I think he's quite good when he's involved. He's just not involved enough. So, so yeah. But but in terms of positives, absolutely. Um, Strike and, and and Rodon are a really good centre back partnership. I'm really happy with those two. And you've left a certain Mister Jorginho Rutter out there. I, I know why you've done it because you want Martin to talk about him, don't you? That's his favourite player. So go on, Martin. Who were you impressed with, and why was one of them Jorginho Rutter? Well, first of all, thank you, Dan, for leaving me, Georgie. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, um, he absolutely was the guy for me in this game. He created he created so many chances in this game, so many good chances, and he was even more effective when Bamford and James came on the pitch. Not because he was rece- he was dropping deeper to receive the ball and just yeah. em- embarrassing the players who were trying to mark him. Really, um, it's, it's it's almost not fair. Um, but at the same time, I don't want him to stop because it does things to me. Um, but yes, he, he was definitely the guy for me in that game. But I also want to echo what Dan said about Bro and the involvement that he had in the game. I didn't really notice much of them live during the game, but on the watch back, I did pick up a lot of good things that he was doing, some really cute movements with the ball and passes out wide, re- releasing the ball quickly. I think that part of his game is coming on, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very glad for that. So yeah, he was also another player who stood out for me. I also want to give a bit, bit of credit to, towards Archie Gray. Um, I think he had a very tough task ahead of him, being quite heavily pressed a lot. But there were quite a few moments where he was able to wiggle the ball away and get it, get it through to a player. There were also moments where he, he packed it to the opposition, but he quite, didn't quite get it right. But that's to be expected when you are being pressed as much as what that side was. So I think he was also someone who I, I enjoyed in this game. But yeah, that was mine. The kid's a real competitor, isn't he? Like he was having a real yeah. hard time, but he was still driving and playing hard at the end and trying to trying to get involved and make things happen late in the game. So yeah, he's, yeah, I agree with that. Like credit for his like his attitude and his, and his application, absolutely. Yeah, he just he, he never seems mm. to give up. He just uh, he doesn't let it affect him when he makes a mistake. That's the one of the yeah. great, great things about him. Really good for a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. It, it's just insane. When I was seventeen and I made and I made a mistake in whatever <laughs> I was doing, I would just crumble. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So yeah, St. Ladder's just got great mental ability and to put that to the side and just get on with his job and and see why everyone's loving the lad at the moment. I wanted to give players you've already spoken about, both of you, a little shout out. Strout is so unlucky with that own goal. I actually thought he had a really good game. He's probably our best defender. 
um and that just really hurt <laughs> um and then Ruta was just he is ridiculous um like i don't really have enough words like the way he can get out of situations and can create stuff i'd like he obviously at the end of the game was actually starting as an attacking midfielder and it was the first time i've seen him there and gone yeah you know what it could be fine there because he just operates in a lot of the same positions really whichever position he's in um you know he takes the ball and he, he drives into spaces and he's really really hard to stop and he makes smart passes and decisions and i just yeah i can't speak highly enough of him so I, I wanted to give him the biggest praise i think he was our best player on the day in what was pretty much a poor game throughout wasn't it um but yeah i think that brings us towards the end of the podcast um and Tom Alderson isn't on this one today, but he would again kill me. He will. He threatens my life every time if I don't talk about the Patreon. Um, so yeah, throughout the season, we've been putting out bonus content via our Patreon platform. If you don't know what Patreon is, it is a media platform in which you can show support to creators you enjoy and receive bonus content in return. We put out Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles, and our patrons also get all of our podcasts ad-free, plus early access to our preview podcasts. Um, we use these funds to enable us to pay for opposition fan interviews, or to improve the quality of preview pods in general, and just generally up the quality of all of our podcasts to grow this further. And if you want to access this content and it's something you would be interested in, please can you sign up at patreon.com forward slash Patreon. I think there is some stuff from you two in the works soon for the under-21s. I know you've mentioned it a few times. It's coming the next one, not too distant future, maybe a week or two away. Yes? Yes, yeah. Some, um, I'm, I'm potentially thinking next week, but I've um, got a lot on my plate at the moment. But yeah, I'm going to try and squeeze it in pretty soon. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, please do head on over. Um, our next pod, we've already actually recorded me and Hosty, but it will be the preview of the West Yorkshire Derby against Huddersfield at Ellen Road this weekend. Um and we'll be back early next week to review that and also to preview, pre, sorry, preview, I'll do that again, and be back to preview a tasty looking game against Leicester City as well. So all that's left for me to say is thank you to Dan. You're welcome. And thank you very much to Martin. And thank you to Adam. And thank you all dear listeners. Please enjoy the rest of your week and the Huddersfield game this weekend. Bye-bye. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 